0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. God's good. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. Are you? Amen. Hey man, If you were wondering who that yelling child was, mom, yeah, that was mine. <laughs> by the way, if you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Joshua Pinkston. I am the student ministries pastor. And if you are a student in here, by all means, there is a student ministry going on just for you designed exactly for your needs. So if you are a student and you still want to go back there, there is absolute time. Don't worry. You can stand up right now in the middle of my message and you can walk all the way around that way to the student ministries wing. And if not, I understand, you wanna see me, that's fine. It's the beard. You guys good? It's Wednesday night, it's starting to get cold out, right? I love cold weather. It's one of my favorite times of the year is during the cold season because I am from California and and generally in my area it's 72-ish most of the time of the year. And so, like when I say it's cold out here, it's in the 70s, thank you Lord. It's freezing. I am wearing my jacket now. You wouldn't know that I was just from California. <laughs> you guys doing good? I mean, it's almost there. It's almost Friday. Come on now. Wow. Wednesday night, huh? <clears throat> I am a student ministries pastor. That means I usually like class participation. And I was taught by a Southern Baptist how to preach. And so a man's hankies... Get them out, get them ready, wave them at me, get on your feet, say amen once in a while, it's all right with me, just get me going, amen? Let's start. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, that we can come out on a Wednesday night here in New Braunfels, Texas, and worship you together. God, I pray that tonight that we would hear your voice crystal clear, for Matthew chapter 10, verse 27 says that the sheep hear his voice, we know his voice, and we follow his voice. God, we thank you, Lord, that we can hear your voice. We know your voice and we will follow your voice. Tonight, Father, I pray that our hearts would be receptive to hear what you would have us hear. Our ears would be unplugged and our eyes would be enlightened to see what you would have us see as well. We thank you, Lord, that as we look into your word, we will be enlightened by your spirit who lives and resides on the inside of us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and I'm going to go out of the message, paraphrase, version. John chapter 15, verse 1. It says this, I am the real vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes, and every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message that I have spoken. Live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourself at home with me and my words are in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask ask, will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. God's word is good, amen. Amen? Amen. God's word is good, amen? Amen. I love my Bible. I absolutely love it. And I just went out and bought another one not too long ago, and I have a hard time. See, this is my home Bible. This has been with me since 2001, and I have tried to treat this one with as much respect as I possibly can, and it's already destroyed. and, And it's 14 years old, and I expected it to, but I tried everything in my my bean to keep this thing safe. But it's still just with regular use, been worn out, been run over, been boiled in oil. I love my Bible. It, it smells just like the things that I know and that I love. See, my Bible is, is, is used. My Bible is used. My Bible is worn. My Bible's been thrown it's it's been fallen on. I've stood on it physically. I've I've used it to hit people with. Come on, I was taught by a Southern Baptist. Come on now. I I I, I my Bible is used. It's been through wars. It's with my, my siblings. It's been it's been used. Your Bible should be worn. Your Bible should have your tears in it. Your Bible should have your blood on it. Your Bible should have pen marks, rip marks, tape marks, every kind of mark that you can imagine. Why? Because your Bible is used. Paul said this about Timothy You be a well working, worthy working of the word person guy, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know your Bible. You know your Bible is what Paul was admonishing Timothy, his son in the Lord to do and to be a worthy worker of the word of God. We should love our Bible. That's why I say back in the student ministries wing, every time I speak, they know what I say. Read your stinking Bible and read it often, right? Read your stinking Bible. They came up with that term stinking. Just want you to know. Let's get back. I remember growing up I remember growing up in California, I had a, um, we didn't live on a large plot of land, but we had almost an acre in the backyard. And, And we had three different fruit trees that grew in the backyard. We had a fig tree, we had a wild plum tree, which was my favorite, and it had a plum tree. Now before I go on to the plum tree, our wild fig tree My brother and I used to fight, I mean literally fight. Who's got two boys? Anybody got two boys, right? You know fighting. If two boys can fight, two sons will fight over, now here's the thing, it only produced one fruit a year. It was an unhealthy tree. But it produced one wild plum. It was that big, that big and every year, we knew when it would come up, we would literally go out there every day looking for that stupid little plum that didn't even taste good, and we would, we would go every day, and whoever found it first, and if both of us were together, you knew that fists were gonna be flying, teeth were gonna be biting, we would go after that with every, oh, if my sister got involved, it was crazy. That was our wild. Now, my dad went out and pruned that tree one year, and it started producing two wild plums every year. That's right, two so we didn't have to fight over it too much. But it was funny, because we stopped eating it at that point, and I think it was more for the fight. But now back to the plum trees. We had a plum tree. Now if you know anything about plum trees, they're not the giantest of trees. They're not even that big, unless you really cultivate it and, and really grow it well. Now our plum tree was sickly. It was not. Uh, it would grow so much plums though, I don't know what it's deal. Because it was a runt of a tree, it looked like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. Every, every year, because the plums would get, they were, re- we had really good soil, I guess, because those plums would get so heavy that the branches would start bending over, and it's just a small, ratty tatty little thing, but it produced really flavorful plums, and I absolutely love plums, as my wife could tell you, and it wasn't a much of a, a, a tree to climb in, but we did anyway, and I remember after my father went and, and pruned the, the wild plum tree, he went, and he pruned the plum tree to see if it could get any more, you know, health to it. Well, it didn't much, but it started producing even bigger plums. It, not, it didn't grow many more vines or whatnot or branches, but it had some serious. And so we decided, okay, well, it's got enough branches on it now that we're going to climb. And I remember I was climbing it one day and I went out onto a branch and I guess I had, it had too many plums on it, plus my weight, I, had bro- I broke the vine, or the branch. I, I snapped it in half, and I'm like, ah, my mom's gonna kill me, she loves plums. So I run inside and I tell my mom, mom, I broke off this branch, and she knew which branch that I was talking about because it was the one with the main swack of plums on it. She said, quickly, go get all the plums, pull them off, and bring them to me. I was like, why, they're not all ripe. She said, do it anyway. So I went and did it. Well, I went back, and I didn't get them all. <clears throat> I was an obedient child. And I looked back a couple weeks later, and those plums literally had just died. You know, the birds got them whatnot. But that branch was completely dead. When that branch had been separated from the tree, the branch died. See in this passage of scripture that we just read, John chapter 15, Jesus is giving us an example of how to grow. I want you to see this very clearly. My first point, Jesus is calling himself the vine, the tree. He's saying it for a reason. He's calling himself that vine or the tree because that is the part of that is the root system. That is the part, it's the foundation. It's the part of the tree that gives life. It, the life doesn't come through the branch, it comes through the vine, it comes through the tree portion, it comes from the roots, it comes from the centerpiece. Jesus should be our centerpiece. Amen? Amen. He is calling us, though, the branch. I have a side note. I've sometimes felt like that branch that I snapped off, dead, dry, worthless, just needed to be thrown off into a bonfire, and I'm in Texas now and bonfires are a real thing. I didn't know what that was until I moved out here. (laughs) Bonfire, what's that? You only do that on the beach. No, you do this in your backyard and you throw a couple dryers in it, you shoot it full of shotgun shells, you're good to go. I love Texas. The branch can't have life unless it stays connected to the vine. See, he goes on to describe the father as our gardener. Pastor Lemoyne is a gardener. If I have any gardening questions, which I generally don't because I don't have a garden and I kill my garden any time I try to plant one, I would go to the gardener. I would go to the man with the wisdom. Hmm. See, I want you to focus on that word gardener because there's a reason why it's used. Many of us, we don't necessarily want a God who is a gardener because they don't want the weeds pulled up in our lives. See, that's what a gardener does. He goes and he cultivates the land. He goes in and if there's weeds in his garden, what does he do? Pulls them up. He gets rid of them. He, you know, sings songs to his plants. Hmm, There's a scripture in Zephaniah that he sings over us, right? And he sprays the plants with water if they're indoor plants, right? He cultivates them. He talks to them. He speaks scripture over them. Come on, he gives life to them. That's what the gardener does. He keeps the garden healthy. But many of us, we don't want a gardener in our life. We don't want a gardening God. We don't. We want the verse to read something like this. I am the real vine, and my father is the genie. They want a God that you can rub his belly or use some kind of God luck charm. Not a good luck charm, but a God luck charm. We throw up prayers all the time. Hey God, do this for me, or God, do this for me, do this for me, do this for me. Hey God, bless my food, (laughs) yeah. Good job. Good job. Well, I don't want to get a stomach ache. I learned that from my aunt. If you don't say your prayers, you're going to get a stomach ache, boy. You better pray, or you better pray before you eat. Anytime you don't, you get a stomach ache. R- what? What kind of things we teach our kids nowadays? Anyway, that's a side note. See, that isn't what Jesus says, though. He said, God is a gardener, someone who cultivates. A gardener is a cultivator, someone who brings health and life to you. We need a gardener in our life. We need God to be the vine dresser as the New King James Version says. We need that gardener. We need somebody who says, Josh, I need you to get rid of that thing in your life. It's holding you back. Josh, that thing in your life is not healthy. Josh, stop at that stop sign. Josh, stop, there's going to be a car that drives by and runs the stop sign, kill you, stop. Or, Josh, I need you to treat your wife a little bit better. You're welcome. You need to buy her some boots. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God is our gardener. And then a gardener just doesn't pull up weeds, he brings health to us. In times when we're in need like there hasn't been rain he brings the water of the word to us in our times of drought in our lives when our jobs isn't going the way it was or we're laid off or we're fired or people are speaking bad at you at your in your community or things are really strifle in your house, you need to go to the one who brings life and can water you with the word that's what a gardener does we need a gardener in our life Question is, are you letting that gardener into your yard? Let's go on. So Jesus, who is the master illustrator, probably was walking. When he's speaking that, talking about this, when we're reading this verse, this is what he did, because Jesus usually did this. You can see it in Mark eleven twenty four. You know he was walking by a mountain range when he said, you say to that mountain, be cast out on the sea, and be cast on the sea if you don't believe, or if you believe in your heart and don't doubt you know Jesus was walking by a mountain when he said that. Well, at this point, he's probably walking by a a vineyard because they're all over in Israel. They're known for their vines, their grapes. Back then, they had really fertile soil. And even still to this day, until, well, it's been getting better because Rome destroyed it, salted their land, destroyed their crops after 72 AD. But anyway, that's a whole other story. See, He was walking by a vineyard and saw clusters of grape on a vine and he picked it up and he used them to explain this to us. So let's look at this. He said, see these grapes? See how ripe they are? See how plump? See how flavorful they are? He probably gave one to each of his disciples. He said, taste that. You see why that tastes so good? Because a gardener, a vine dresser, he cultivated this. Are you plump? Do you taste good? Are you healthy? If not, we need to go to our gardener. Yes, I just asked you if you're plump. See, God refers to growing vegetables or, or fruit like he's referring to us in life. God grows us the same way. I'm. Here's my thing. Can I vent for a minute? Is that okay? We're in church and I have the mic so I can do whatever I want until Pastor Don gets back or Pastor Lemoyne jumps and tackles me, sends me back to the youth. (laughs) I'm tired of people that come to church and do this and they 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 say this. Um I tried the church thing. I tried it. I tried that faith thing. I tried I tried that, you know, witnessing thing to my I'm just it didn't work for me, so I'm not going to. I tried living holy. I'm not going to. And I'm not talking about people that had never been to church. I'm not talking about the unchurched. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about people that come to church who sit in these pews every single Sunday, every single Wednesday, and they say, well, I tried that and it didn't work for me. I, I tried that, and I, I'm good with that. And, uh, it's too hard. It's too hard. See, the whole time they tried going... Sitting in a pew and not actually acting on anything, or they went out and witnessed and they didn't. They didn't like how they were received, and so they blamed it on no, God didn't call me to that. Or they go out and, and they're like, well, I can't live a holy life, so I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to go back to my 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 drugs or my alcohol or or whatever. See, they, or I I prayed for my my son and he didn't get better, so I'm, I'm I'm good with that. God, it must not have been God's will to heal him, heal him, or. Or, you know, oh, God must be trying to teach me a lesson because I can't pay my bills this week, so I'm not even gonna, you know what I'm saying? You see, we, 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 we go and we, we, we give up. We go and we don't want to be cultivated. We don't want to go through the process because we want immediate results, We are a McDonald's generation, and thank God McDonald's is starting to lose revenue. I'm sorry, and I probably shouldn't preach against a business because God bless them. They got some great employees. But honestly, we are a fast food people. We expect immediate results. I turned on my computer the other day and it froze. I wanted to throw it across the room. How dare you freeze on me, make me turn you off and turn you back on? I want results. In fact, I went to the IT guy for, for the church and I said, tell me a way to make this thing faster. I want, when I press that button, I wanted to already know what website I want to be on or I wanted already pre-typed my sermon for me right now. Glory to God, that's of the Holy Ghost. Maybe not that dramatic, but you get what I'm saying. We want instant results. One of my most favorite things growing up was cream of wheat. When they came out with instant cream of wheat, I was in heaven. I didn't need my grandma to make it for me anymore. I could stick that thing in the microwave, glory to God, and I tell you I could get some. It was absolutely disgusting. (laughs) We want a genie. We don't want a gardener. See, when we do that, when we actually go and get a God who's a gardener, see, who grows you. See, he grows you through the same process over and over and over again. God's process of growth hasn't changed ever, ever. Never, ever, ever. You don't have to go look for new ways of trying to figure out God. You don't have to. See, the process is called Cultivation. I want to get something across to you. There is power in the same. And if I had a title of my message, it would be The Power of Same. Thank you, Stephen Furtick, for that. And I would call it The Power of the Same because there is absolute power in same. What do I mean by that? Pa- Pastor Josh, what are, you, what are you talking about? See, I don't want you to be confused when I say this because I'm not talking about sticking your hand in a fire and getting the same results over and over. That's just called stupid. Don't be stupid. Well, I mean, I want to give up, you know, alcohol, but I really like my friends at the bar. Ha! I get all the best fellowship there. Or, you know, I'm, i I I want to get over my my addiction to drugs, but yet, you know, my drug ad- dealers lives next door. So, w- yeah. I'm not talking about those results. I'm not talking about that kind of same. I'm not, caught, well, Pastor Josh, I expect to grow and God to, to heal all of my sicknesses and do all these things, and, but I'm just gonna sit here and I'm just going to listen to these really good messages and I'm not even gonna take notes maybe, but I'm just gonna listen and expect God to do it all for me because I go to church. I even throw in some money once in a while into the offering bucket, rub his belly, call him a genie, I'm blessed and highly favored. We do it all the time. I'm not talking about that kind of same. I'm not talking about that kind of same. Right. See, for instance, when I preach in the in, in the main, let's just say I'm preaching on Sundays. I used to speak twice on Sundays. Every Sunday, my wife would faithfully come and she would sit on that pew. We we had pews that, or, or no, we had chairs, and she would sit in the same chair and she would take notes for each of my messages. And and. And people would look at that, but you sat on the same message twice. And then they would look from her messages from the first service to the second service, and they're twice as long. What? what? What happened? It's the same message. Or when I go and read the Bible, and I'm looking at the same verses over and 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 over again, man, you should think to me, I mean, I shouldn't have to do that more than a couple times, right? I mean, it's the same verse. It's not changed at all. It hasn't gone anywhere. Bible doesn't change, does it? I mean, every time I close the book, does it? I mean oh, it says something different this time. No, it doesn't work that way. See, there's power in the same because every time I go back to the word and read those same words, there's a reason why sometimes it'll be highlighted and then underlined and then written across and then big arrows written to it because each time I go back and I read that scripture, there's something about it and God's revealing something, giving me a fresh revelation of what he is saying to me about this scripture. See, there's power in the same. We should have a consistent word life where we go to the gardener every single day, and we say, God, what do you have for me today? Because there's power in the same. We shouldn't be looking at the same as a monotonous thing. We shouldn't be looking at that process and saying, God, I'm tired of doing this. Let me try something else and maybe that will work. When he says, no, I told you to do this. You need to do this because it's what I told you to do. It will work for you. You just have to be allowed or be okay with getting cultivated, son, daughter. Get cultivated. And we don't want to be cultivated because sometimes that means pulling up weeds. Sometimes that means getting getting our, 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 our soil Killed. Sometimes that means getting fertilizer. I almost said something else I didn't. Fertilizer thrown all over us. And we don't necessarily like it because sometimes growth hurts. Who remembers their growth seasons in their life? And you'd go to your parents' room in the middle at one in the morning, and I'm dealing with this, and so I can say this freshly, and, and, and you go to your parents, my knee hurts, it's burning, remember that growth spurt that you had when you were a kid, yeah, my kids have that, I'm like, eh, go back to kid bed, kid, I'm kidding, I put them in a hot bath, and you know, you're, then your parent, the parent, you would massage the kid's leg, or your parent would massage your leg, and put you in a hot bath, or wrap it with a hot towel, or something, See, they would do that because there was growth. Growth isn't always comfortable, but it's healthy. It's a necessity. It's good for you. You don't want to be stunted. You don't. You want to be healthy. Amen? Man, if you resist the monotonous, you'll miss the miraculous. If you resist the monotonous, that same, that going to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, serving in the children's department three times a month, and it's, it's just the same. I just change diapers every Sunday, and I'm tired of doing the same thing over and over again. If you resist the, the, the monotonous, you're going to miss, you're going to miss it, the miraculous, because God works in the same. God works in the miraculous. God works in the miraculous, because he's doing the same thing in you, and it is the miraculous. Have you ever watched a seed grow before? I downloaded a, a video clip of a seed growing and fast-forwarded it, and I played it in youth, and they're like, see it, girls? That's a re- awesome. It's like, you know, and it's got sound effects and it's great. And all the youth loved it. And then, you know, you play it on normal speed. And I, oh, dear God. It's boring. It is. It's absolutely boring unless it's bamboo, but we're not talking about bamboo. Let's just say we're, we're talking about an apple seed. Did you know it takes eight years from the time you plant an apple seed? in the soil, cultivate the soil, water it eight years before it will produce fruit. Eight years. I imagine some types of apple trees will grow a little bit faster, but eight years for that seed to produce fruit, that's monotonous. Dear Lord, trying to sit there, staring at that tree, really have a hankering. You like that word? It's a Texas word, right? Have a hankering for some apple. I really want to make a, a, an apple pie, but it's only year six and, and I'm tired of waiting so I'm going to go to McDonald's and get some applesauce and let me, I wrote down this, the, how much it's mostly sugar and filling and only 2% apples, apples, apple apples 2% apples in applesauce 2% but yet you were hankering for some applesauce and you weren't willing to wait for that apple to grow so you could smash it with a mallet and eat it See, you didn't want to wait. You see, if you aren't willing to go through the process of growing, if you aren't willing to go through the process of growing, which takes time, in this case, eight years, you will miss all the opportunities that come with growing. You will miss everything. Write this down. Results come from the routine. The reward is the routine. The reward is the routine, and nobody says amen to that. I don't blame you at all. Who wants to do the same over and over and over and over again? But I'm telling you, man, every time I sit in that pew, every time I come to church every Sunday, it's the same old, same old church, right? Who needs a new word, who needs to go to church? It's the same, same people raise their hand, same songs we sing. You got the guy over there, and the guy over there, he says Jesus, and you got the guy over there, whistles. It's the same every Sunday, and so monotonous. Man, there is power in the routine, because I'm telling you, you don't think that, do you? No, we come to church, and we dance, and we shout, and we get it on, but it's the same. The reward is the routine. Man, that's, I, preach it, preacher. All right. Now look at that. I want to ask you, I want you to ask yourself a question and I want you to answer genuinely, not, not religiously. I want you to actually look inside and have a self-reflective moment. And I want you to answer this question with genuine truth. Are you living off of the instant or are you feeding on the genuine? What do you mean by that? See, we like instant results. We don't like to have to work for our food. Who wants to go out? Okay, we're in Texas. I was about to say, hunt for your food, but I mean, seriously, I'm about to do it. Thank God for Texans and guns. And except for we can't hunt our own deers in New Braunfels. What's that about? I thought we could shoot them off our porch. (sighs) Oh, well, I guess there's gotta be laws sometime, right? See, we don't wanna work for our food though anymore. We want to open it up, open up our cabinet. Now, here's a perfect example cereal. God, thank God for cereal, especially when it's fruity pebbles. There's a reason I don't have fruity pebbles in my house, but thank God I love fruity pebbles. It's like fruity pebbles. You just want to open up that cabinet, pull out a box of fruity pebbles, pour it into a bowl, pour ice cold milk onto that, start digging in, and there's nothing like it in all the world. Try living off of it. I did when I was single started getting like bags under my eyes and looking a little gaunt and hollow in the features. of up here and getting a little paunched down below the, the beard line. And see, there's something that happens if I were to just go instead of getting fruity pebbles and go straight for the fruit. See, there's a difference between instant and genuine. See, there's no nutrients that your body truly needs. They're fake nutrients because they pump them full of the synthetic uh, vitamins anyway. They ain't going to help you. But when you go and you bite into that apple, you're getting the enzymes. You're getting the fiber. You're getting the vitamin C, the vitamin A, the vitamin K. You're even getting some cyanide that you didn't even know was in there, but it's in there. And you're getting all some nutrients that you didn't even know that you needed because it's genuine and it's healthy. It keeps the dentist away, and I'm telling you, it's much better than Fruity Pebbles. See, there's a difference between instant and genuine. You can't live off of Fruity Pebbles. You'll die eventually. Who's ever seen supersize me? You know what it's like. The Marine who went in and lived off of McDonald's, and every time they say, would you like to supersize that? Well, yes. He didn't even last the whole experiment. Doctor said, if you do this another day, you will die. Instant genuine. We can't live off of instant oatmeal, instant cream of wheat. We can't live off of instant rice. We got to live off of genuine, where the nutrients are. In the same way we do that, we go to the instant word. See, just like our physical bodies can't live on instants, our spirit bodies, what we do it, and Christians are... We're notorious for living off of instant word. I have a devotional. I love my devotional. Nothing against devotionals for a minute. I have, where's my, my phone? I have Uversion app on my phone. It's got the Bible verse of the day. Oh, glory to God. Oh, it's John three sixteen, my favorite and only one I know. And we go to that. Or we live off of our, the devotion we read to our own children before going to bed. We live off the instant word or, oh, better yet, we go to Facebook Hoo-wee. and we read some memes with some dude's face and some words around it. Oh, that, glory to God, I'm blessed and high favor because of that meme on Facebook. We expect the instant and never the genuine. Your Bible should be worn and torn because you're getting the nutrients and the enzymes and the power and the living God who resides and spoke this word into existence and suddenly that your body starts to awaken or excuse me, your spirit starts to awaken inside of you and where Romans chapter eight uh, verse 21 says, where the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal flesh. 11, sorry, not 21. That's 10 off. What happens? You're getting the genuine. You're getting the good stuff. Don't live off an instant and shut your Facebook down. Shut off your phone. Put your devotional away and go to the Word. Man, shut off your CDs just for a minute. Don't let Hill Song praise your way in. Start praising God with a new song. Stop praising him in your car when you're all alone and there's no words and no songs and no music going on. You go to the genuine. And I'm not saying anything against Hillsong because I listen to him constantly. But when was the last time that you spent your own genuine moment in the presence of your maker? Stop living on instant words. Stop living on instant church. There's great and I'm glad that you guys are listening online because you can't be here, but you need to be here and you need, you need to be here. I didn't get too many amen's about that. See, I don't have time to speak about. It. I'm going to go on. I don't have time to speak about diets. I'm not even going to go there. But there's something that we should say about a healthy living on the outside where our grapes are plump on the outside and inside they're bitter. Should I go there? I should. Okay, I should. I got one person said it. She's a runner. (laughs) Now here's the thing. If our outside, because the Bible says we should be fat and overflowing, we shouldn't be fat on the outside and spiritually puny on the inside. We shouldn't. Absolutely not. If you're taking more care of your spirit or your physical body, more so than your spiritual body, I'm telling you, man, if you're a plump grape on the outside, be plump on the inside. Be plump on the inside. Something to be being healthy and biting into a plump grape and having juice squirt all over your face that is sweet. We should be plump on the outside or inside. We should be healthy on the outside and inside have a healthy diet on the outside, have a healthy diet on the inside. Yeah. I got six amens on that. <laughs> hmm. I don't want you to feel discouraged though. I don't want you to feel discouraged about wherever steps you're in. See, I want you to be encouraged because honestly, you sh- if you're in church today, you should pro- it could be an achievement for you. I mean, honestly, if this is your step of growth, Dear God, God bless you. You came to church today, and that's a good thing. That's an absolutely good thing. For some of you, that's an accomplishment. Man, dear Lord, I I hate going to church. I'm going to go to church because I feel everybody looking at me. I'm going to shake somebody's hand. (sighs) (sighs) That could be an achievement for you. I applaud you. Keep going, keep going. It's like the movie What About Bob? And I'm not recommending that movie, but it's a baby steps. Baby steps to the elevator, baby steps in the elevator, baby steps in church, baby steps to the guy who says that I gotta meet and greet. I'm gonna do it the whole time until I don't have to. And somebody starts talking up there and makes me go back. Oh, I gotta go back to my seat, sorry. Baby steps though, man, I applaud you if you're here and it's hard for you, God bless you. If you're making a sacrifice to come because your job is hard, because your life is hard, God bless you, keep going, I encourage you. God is applauding you from heaven, and he's saying, man, you're taking the right steps. There are absolute times that we should be applauding ourselves for the steps that we take instead of beating ourselves and trying to, I can't kick myself in these pants. We, we shouldn't, see. In the last couple of seconds, and I think I do have time because I'm gonna make time, I wanna show you a video real quick. quick. And there's a man that I do not endorse. In fact, he's a probably not the greatest of man, but I'm gonna show you a clip of something real quick, if we have it, I hope. I want you to look at this. Look at this. Well, could you, could you start that again? I want you to really see this. I want you to see this. All right, now watch this. This is considered one of the greatest catches in NFL history. The man who caught it, Odell Beckham. Do you see that? Flags, jumping, one-handed, and you're like, oh man, he was lucky. Whoa, look at that, he is lucky. Man, look at, oh, he should not have caught that at all. Look at that. And so many of us we see that and we throw it off to the side and we're like, oh man, that was a fluke of nature. But what are we talking about? We're talking about the power of same. Could you show the next clip? There's a reason why he caught that. Sometimes going to church, you gotta practice that junk. This is his warm-up before the game. You notice what he's doing? Watch that. You see? Do you see that? Now watch. Okay. Look at this. Over and over, he's practicing jumping. He's practicing one-handed grabs. So that way, in life, in the moment that it actually counted the most, in the play where it was said the greatest catch of all time, and they're looking at it, and so many people said it's a fluke. No, it's because Odell Beckham, he practiced routine. He practiced the same thing over and over. Some of you coming to church doing the same thing over and over, you're going to recognize and suddenly sitting in that pew that God's going to make a power available to you in that power because suddenly in your life it's going to be coming out that you're practicing going to church you're practicing putting the word to work in your life, you're reading your word every day in the morning with your cup of coffee and you're reading it before going to bed at night and suddenly in life what matters the most is suddenly something bad happens in that moment of time and what counts and it's about to take the final touchdown, you suddenly jump up and grab grab that football because you've been practicing it there's power in doing the same thing over and over and over and over. There's power in taking what a preacher says like me and applying it to your life over and over, going back to your notes that you're taking even right now, and you're doing it over and over and over. You take what you learn. You take what you hear. You take what you read, and you apply it over and over, even when it becomes mundane, over and over, even when it becomes routine, over and over, even when it becomes monotonous, over and over, even when it becomes boring, over and over, because in that moment of life when you need it the most, you're going to grab that football and you're going to win the scoring touchdown. Don't give. There's power in the same. My last thing that I wanna say to you is abide where Jesus said abide. There's power in the same. Abide means to live in, live in or make it home. Also means to continually live in over and over. Jesus is saying don't stop abiding in me. Abide in me, live in me, be with me over